Yeah. Touch your collarbone quick, Zach. Go like this. Woof. <laughs> okay. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Taking Sports Show, part of the Arizona Varsity Podcast Network, and obviously sponsored by All.net. So thank you to All.net. Um, I haven't talked to Papa Hinojosa in a while. Hope he's doing well. Um, but we are back for another episode. Um, look, I think, Eric, the one thing – I know you're doing well because you're always doing well and We did, we when we talk all the time. So it's not like it's like the first time I've seen you in weeks. But um, – I think the one thing that I think we need to jump right into right away is what transpired Monday night in that Bills and Bengals game. Look, everyone knows what happened already. Some sort of cardiac arrest. He had to be resuscitated. And by him, obviously, DeMar Hamlin um, had to be, you know, resuscitated on the field. Um, yep. Scary. Very scary. Really scary. I, I think CPR had to be, yep. you know, brought to a hospital. He's still not out. Um, you know, there's no. been some updates, but it's it's still a pretty, you know, fluid situation there. Yeah, and and I want to, and I just want to go over the updates really quick, just to kind of get those out yeah. there. Um, apparently, his vitals have improved. His breathing on his own has improved. However, he's still on a ventilator. Um, they brought it down from like 100% to 50%, which in ventilator terms, that's a good thing. It means that he's only using half of the ventilator versus the entire thing to breathe. Think back for those of you that remember to COVID. When people had COVID, if it was really, really bad, if you were on a ventilator 100%, usually it's a very bad sign. DeMar Hamlin right now is 50% from the latest updates that I've seen. Um, I think I've read a lot about it, and I think they put him in a coma mostly to support the breathing, do the testing, make sure he can get a feeding tube in there. And more importantly, to preserve the brain function because he was receiving CPR for nine minutes on that field. So that's time. a long time. So yeah, super scary. Um, then, you know, obviously Eric and I aren't doctors. We're not going to speculate on, Oh, well, he'll be able to go back to playing football. No, we have no idea. I don't think anybody has any idea. No, we're not going to do any of that stuff. What I do want to talk about, though, Eric, is from our perspective, I mean, you were an athlete. You are still an athlete. You still play soccer. I play football still. Um, You know, there's risks involved when we play these sports at any level. And you wrote a fantastic column about it on Arizona varsity and I really for those of you that are listening whether it be the live stream or the the audio version please 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 whatever you do go read Eric's column on Arizona varsity.com um well written beautifully written I think you hit the nail on the head and, I, and you even sent it to Cody and I and you were like does this make sense and honestly Cody said it best a topic like this it doesn't need to make sense because you're just speaking and writing from your heart at this point. But it really hits home for those of you that are athletes. So I'm going to give you the floor and let you kind of explain a little bit about, one, why you decided to go about this, and two, just kind of, I guess, a point that you were maybe were trying to get across, even though there really wasn't a point that needed to, to get across yeah. in this case. Yeah, so uh, the column is, um, I put it out yesterday, kind of discusses how sports – in Arizona, especially high school football, because that's what we focus on in this job. Um, You know, both of us do some college, uh, but I think high school is our main beat in terms of football. Yes, Um, absolutely. And I've seen some crazy things. You've seen some crazy things on the field. And sometimes it just gets moved past a little bit. Like I was a student at ASU in 2017 when, um, a Moon Valley player died. Um, he got hit, collapsed on the field, and later was pronounced dead at the hospital. Yep. The next year, I just happened to be at a Valley Vista game um, between them and Desert Vista. And, you know, it was a run-of-the-mill game. Desert Vista played really well, won the game. Um, you know, nothing crazy. It was a good performance by them. And, you know, a kid took a hit and, and fell and was – unable to move for a few minutes. Um, And, you know, I, I thought, obviously I'm not a, I'm not a curmudgeon. I think it's bad. I'm 
hoping for the kid. I want him to do well. All the, you know, all the players and coaches prayed for him um, after the game and everything, but he had to be ambulanced off the field. And that's just at a high school football game. Yeah. Um, I mentioned it in the article. Christian Eriksen is a superstar soccer player for Denmark. Um, basically was medically dead on the field um, during the Euros in 2021. That just doesn't, like, it's crazy, but these things happen. And you move on, but they don't get to. No. Like, that's the thing is, you know, a lot of a lot of people recover. Some do, some don't. We don't know what Hamlin's going to have happen. Um, but, you know, we, we just assume it's part of the game because it, it, it really is. And um, you cover it. You hope for the people, but then you have to go on to the next thing. And you can't sit around and just talk about every injury that's ever happened. A thing that I've been thinking about recently was DeMar Hamlin was not the original starter um, at safety for Bill uh, for the Bills this season. Mm. He went in because their star safety, Micah Hyde, had a neck injury that was so bad that he had to miss the rest of the season. And that's just something that, you know, just happened to get a neck injury. Yep. How often are people just getting neck injuries? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it happens. And it, it, that's not to take anything away from football. It is a dangerous game, but any sport is dangerous. Any, you know, it's dangerous to live life. Um, yep. But if we are going to, um, in our small part, make this game important make every sport important um because at the end of the day they're just games but we do our part in making them mean something because we cover them um we give you know give attention to the athletes and the coaches and the people around there um if we're going to do that we have to understand that we're at least in a small small way responsible um for what goes on on the field because part of the reason people play these sports is, you know, obviously because of the love of the game, but what it can do for them, um, you know, you can get a college scholarship, you can go play professionally, you can, you know, make an impact in your community. And even on the lowest level, just be somebody that represents your high school or middle school or whatever. Um, and partially that comes because of the coverage of the sports and the, the attention that gets paid to them. And so we're partially responsible for this. Yep. And I think that, you know, it, it's just something you have to think about. And when you're when you're going to play sports, sports aren't going to go away. Um, no, nor should they. But it's something you have to consider. It's at least a little bit of a risk. That yeah, and that was the part that really resonated to me about that article that you wrote. Anytime you step on the field, step on the court, you know, jump into a swimming pool, whatever it is, you are taking a risk. Um, concussions more concussions happen in female soccer than in i don't know boy soccer wrestling just as much as football like it's crazy my but... younger sister was a uh, really really good high school soccer player um had to quit because she got too many concussions she yeah. was a defender and um would go up all the time and try to get headers yeah. and just hit her head one too many times exactly so you know like i said and like you said injuries are just look sports and injuries just go hand in hand it's it's unfortunate and you hope that you'd never get injured i mean for you playing tennis playing soccer like you know I, you can turn your ankle like that you yeah, can sprain your ankle like crazy and you have exactly you can tear ligaments like crazy if you wanted to doing a header in, in your club soccer league you can get a concussion like you know my I play football. I still play full blown eleven on eleven tackle football. That helmet that's sitting up there, like I've taken some big hits in that helmet. Um, not necessarily with that one, but a few years ago, I remember I I was blocking someone. I pull I know I pulled to go block the end or something like that, and a blitzing linebacker and I collided. And I'm I haven't really told anyone this, but I blacked out for like two seconds. Like I woke up on the ground. Yeah. And, yeah, it's great. And that's the thing, you know, right? It's like, like the guy wasn't trying to hurt you. No. He was just trying to play the game. Nope. And you two happened to be at the same place at the same time. Exactly. But here's the thing. 
And this is why people always say like, oh, well, I'm not going to let my kids play football. Like, like that's your decision. By all means, that's, that's your decision. And we're not necessarily advocating one way no, or the other. not at all. Um, here's the thing, though. There's difference in levels. High school, you have trainers and doctors on standby if, if needed, things like that. College, you have a full-blown medical staff, NFL, multiple doctors, medical staff, ambulance on site, all that stuff. Then you look at like, and I started thinking about this myself, leagues like the one that I play in. I, like I said, I got that, like what I think was a concussion. Didn't have any doctors there to check on me. I finished the game. A few years ago, I broke, I spiral fractured my fibula and I tore two ligaments in my ankle. I walked off the field because there were no doctors there. Yeah. A, a couple years after that, I partially tore my ACL. Guess what? I finished the game because all we had was one trainer who I said, I'm good. And he goes, okay. And then walked away. That's not on yeah. him. That's on me for saying I was good. If something like Hamlin's freak injury, which had to happen at the exact millisecond, yeah. millisecond of the, uh, like the heartbeat or like the, there's a specific term for it. I can't remember what it is now, but basically at that exact moment he got hit. If that were to happen to me or to anyone else that I play with in the league that I'm in, I'm dead. Like we're you not like there's certainly are in a bad no, no, no. position. No, 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 I'm dead. We don't have doctors like that, but guess what? Yeah. That's the risk that we take playing this game at this level. That's the risk that everyone takes playing this game or playing a game at any level, a sport at any level. But the thing is, is we all love it at the same time. Like That's all those right. people, it's... all those people saying football should be a thing. I guarantee they're huge basketball fans. How many ankles have you seen get broken from people yeah, going for dunks I'm and not, coming down? Like I'm not going to advocate for not playing a sport or not yeah. participating if it's what you want to do. Yep. You just have to understand what you're getting yourself into. Exactly. I mean, legs get broken all the time in soccer from slide tackling. Like I said, people coming down. I mean, um, Jacob might be able to help me out when we, when we bring him on. But the kid from Louisville who went up for yep, a routine three-point shot that. came down, leg snapped. Like. I mean, remember Paul George in the Olympics? Paul George. Thing? He went for a, a driving dunk and he came down and literally just happened to hit at the right angle. The I remember watching that live. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, what's his name? Who played on the on the Celtics? Uh he it was his first game with the Celtics, played against the Cavaliers. Gordon Hayward. Oh, uh Gordon Hayward. Yeah, Gordon Hayward. Like it, it's it's a yeah. freak thing that can happen. Yeah, it really it happens is in like, every sport. Every single sport, whether you like it or not, anything can happen. Yeah, see, uh, Jacob just helped me out, Gordon Hayward. Um, it, it's crazy, man. Derek Rose, the amount of knee injuries yeah. that Jacob, that hurt Jacob personally. Um, the amount of knee injuries that he had playing basketball. Now he's still playing. You know, it's just I like mean, it's weird. Chris Bosh, you mentioned Chris Bosh in your article. And that wasn't necessarily a game thing, but that's a person nope. who was an exactly. absolute elite athlete. Um, mm -hmm. And if they had not realized that that was happening to him, he could have died on the court very easily. On the court. The kid from Florida State that passed out. Yeah. Like, what, a year or two ago? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, crazy. And we just, uh, yeah. we go on with it. It mm -hmm. It's part of the game. Yep. Um there's an injury report think about that every team you have sends out injury report yeah so common now here's the thing though we move on from it we continue to play the sports but at the same time especially like look like acls broken ankles you can get over that stuff but like that florida state kid or the soccer player you mentioned or obviously hammer himself live. The well, no, I'm, what I'm saying is the those are types of things that we can't just move on from. Like we have, like yeah. I'm not saying like we have to say like, okay, well, how can we make it safer with the like, look heart stuff? Like if anything like that happens, like you can't make it safer. I'm sorry, the, the only way to make it safer is not play. You can't just forget about people like that. Though you have to actually like, see it through, make sure they're okay. Which is why I'm really glad the NFL. Well, conflicting reports, but I'm really glad the game didn't be played or that well, the game wasn't played Monday. That was terrible. There's no way, like, if if it were me in that situation, I could not play a game at yeah. all. No way. No way. I couldn't even, I don't even know if I'd be able to play a game on Sunday. 
unless I knew that he was good. You know what I mean? So yeah, sad, very sad. Hoping for the best. Um, I think the best thing to come out of all this was I'm pretty sure his charity is up to like $6 million raised. Yeah. Which is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, Now some could argue that it shouldn't take someone to go through something like that to, to have that many people donate. But at the same time, you know, it's going to help a lot of kids, which is really cool. So, um, and it goes to show the type of impact that that Hamlet had on a lot of people as well. So hoping for the best for him, obviously I want him to be okay. I'm sure everyone wants him to be okay. If you don't want him to be okay, then, you know, you can go join Skip Bayless on Undisputed. Of course. Because I don't think Shannon Sharp is coming back. Um, sorry, I had to get that little shot in there. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm Eric, with you. I, I'm, so, yeah. I'm so tired of Skip Bayless, but that's the second point. It's so bad. Um, Eric, I'm on vacation this week from work. So I haven't really been on Twitter a whole lot except for like the Monday night game, things like that. So I'm just, you know, hanging out, relaxing. I was going to go to California and I'm not going, just kind of relaxing, kind of getting ready for ASU next week because I start teaching again, kind of getting, you know, my my ducks in a row as far as what games we're going to go to next week, all that stuff, right? And I opened Twitter last night while I'm at the gym. And I see that a certain team was upset by another team. And I see all this Arizona high school basketball is wide open now. And I was like, you know, I get it, but I don't get it. Because I still think Perry is a team to beat. I do too. Pinnacle beat them. Bryce Ford played an incredible game though. Um, 38 points or 36 points, whatever it was. And it was still a close game. Yeah, two points. That's why I think Perry is still a team to beat. Um, it but, shows that they can be beat. Yes, but they're still definitely. going to be the top team. They exactly. might not win, but I think they they're probably still the favorite. I would still consider them the favorite. But one of our colleagues was the one who was one of those people who said that it's now wide open. So I want to bring on Mister Jacob Saliga, resident basketball nerd for Arizona Varsity. Other than you know Greg, obviously. Um, Jacob, first things first, take us through your reactions. Cause again, Eric is covering his stuff in Flagstaff. I'm on vacation, so I'm totally checked out. What transpired last night between Pinnacle and, and, uh, and Perry? Well, I think the thing that stands out the most from that game last night, at least from watching it was that Coa Pete and Cody Williams still got theirs. They combined for 42 of Perry's 63 points but what makes that so unique is that when you sort of look at the games that Perry has played throughout the season and some of their closer games like they had against Liberty earlier this year Ironwood at Visit Mesa um you see a situation where those two get their own but their supporting cast usually steps up around them and is able to make timely shots, able to do those things, carry the load just as equally, which I think is what makes Perry so dangerous, why Perry is ranked nationally. Because when you look at that Perry roster, I mean, obviously everybody talks about, you know, Cody and Koa, but they sometimes forget about guys like Baron Silsby, who had the big game at Paul West. I think it was seven threes against San Isidro. They have a good supporting cast, but last night it seemed, you know, some of the shots just weren't falling Perry's way as they normally were. Um, Bryce Ford, credit to him, he attacks the paint. He likes to draw fouls, likes to create um, some situational matchups that maybe aren't necessarily beneficial to who Pinnacle is playing. And you sort of saw that transpire last night where he would be attacking the rim. It would be trying to draw those fouls on a Cody, on a Koa. And although neither of them fouled out, which has been somewhat of an issue at times, them getting close to fouling out, um, it just was there. It just was Pinnacle's night. Got to give credit to the Pioneers. Come out. You no, know, they 
had a little bit of a hiccup their holiday tournament, but they kicked it into gear at the right time. And what got lost in the shuffle was, yes, Bryce Ford had a great game, but Ashton Reese, who many considered their true number one guy, he hit the three that really pulled the game away, that really sealed the deal and kept Perry from being able to tie it up or potentially get back in the game. Yeah, and, and not to take anything away from Pinnacle, that's I, I want to make sure that's very clear. I just personally still think that Perry is the better team out of everyone else in the state. But this Pinnacle team showed that it is no slouch either. Um, you know, and, and I know they did it without Deuce Robinson, who is or who was in Florida for the Under Armour All-American game. So, I mean... How, how good is this Pinnacle team, Jacob? I would definitely say that this Pinnacle team, now that they got guys like Miles Lindman after basketball season, Deuce once he gets back into things, they're definitely a team to keep an eye on. I do think that they aren't maybe necessarily in that top eight tier where when, you know, when it's all said and done that they will finish in that top eight for the Open. But I definitely do think that they are just outside of that. I think they're probably about – 12-13 right now, which I think would put them as a top seed in the 6A bracket. They're a very tough team. Obviously, you have a guy like Bryce who's a bucket during the games. You have guys like Ashton Reese. They're a solid lineup. They're very fundamentally sound, like to play tough defense, which I think was a big key last night because, I mean, I've seen Perry drop 90. I've seen Perry drop um, – you look at some of their scores, they dropped almost 100 at Hoop Hall. They like to put up points. And the thing that makes Pinnacle and that Ironwood team that almost beat Perry earlier in the season unique is that they're able to slow the game down and contain Perry on that end. So that's why I think makes Perry, uh, Pinnacle a tough team. Let me ask you about Mountain View. What do yeah. you think about the Toros? Well, I mean, when you look at the Toros, I mean, a credit to Andy Johnson, what he's been able to do with that Mountain View roster – what he's been able to do with Mountain View so far this season. Um, you know, obviously taking over for Gary Ernst Ar- uh, is a very tricky situation with everything that sort of transpired off the court and all that. It's but, a tough situation to be in. Yeah, yeah it's a, yes. But I think what makes him unique is that, you know, he's coming in from Vegas. He's coming in from Coronado, who – for a lot of people who may not know, that's one of the premier programs in Nevada, in, you know, out there. And I think that's what's very interesting is that he still chose to come to the Valley, still chose to, you know, come out here and build something up. I know they had a tough time for their own host, uh, hosting part of a Visit Mesa, but they're a tough team. I mean, when you look at some of their scores, I mean, they gave Sunny Slope, who many consider a top, you know, part of that top 16, some of that elite, one of those elite teams in the state. They gave them one heck of a game. They almost beat Sunny Slope. Um, was able to catch a little bit of their game when they came on to this side of town and played against Liberty when Liberty was at full strength. It really was making things tough for Liberty before Liberty pulled away. No, I don't think they'll finish as an open division team. But, you know, in that top 32, but I do think they'll get into that 6A bracket and definitely make some noise. I think a key game for people to pay attention to is when they play Mesa here in, uh, I think, late next week or early two weeks from now. Because I think Mesa is also another one of those teams where it's a good litmus test to see how far they can go. Uh, Going back to Pinnacle really quick to answer Ralph's question, Pinnacle is for real? I, I would definitely say Pinnacle's for real. For real, I think the key for Pinnacle is is just paying attention to how that region turns out. Because I, no, I believe that the top of that region with a Liberty, with Pinnacle, with Boulder Creek, who gave Basha a heck of a game last night, and Sunny Slope is one of the best regions in the state, regardless of conference. And then you have an O'Connor team who's a potential six A sleeper. You know, if they are able to finish near the top of that region and be competitive in all those games, I definitely could see Pinnacle making a deep run. I want to talk about two of the teams you just mentioned. Liberty, who obviously came in as 
arguably the second best team in the state, preseason ranked, even right now, probably still considered that. And then um, Boulder Creek, because all of a sudden they're on a tear. Now, I did see them beat Mountain Point last year, and they live and die by the three-pointer at that point. I'm sure they do the same this year again. Um, What have you seen from those two teams that makes them kind of stand out, and where do you think they're going to fall when the rankings come out tomorrow? So taking a look at Liberty, Liberty has challenged themselves so far this season. I mean, their first technically PowerPoint game was Perry. I was there. You had dang near everybody who covers basketball in the state at that one. And, you know, they they had a neck-and-neck game with Perry. It was a three-point game with only 3.30 to go before Perry just stepped on the gas and a few Liberty turnovers led to a double-digit win for uh, Perry. No, this is a, you know, Mark Wood teams are always fundamentally sound. They're always smart with the basketball. They don't, they do what they do best. And I think that's what makes Mark Wood one of the better coaches in the state. He doesn't try to force his kids to do things that he knows that they either can't do or don't feel comfortable doing. I think what makes them tough is that they have a one-two punch of Kai Green and Caden Hunter. Caden, who's a double-double machine can get you 20 and 10 any night. He's one of the better players, I think, in the state. If he keeps doing what he's doing, he definitely has a chance to be in that conversation for player of the year, although I think Cody Williams is the favorite there. Um, that, Like I said, they're also part of that tough region with Boulder Creek, Pinnacle, and Sunny Slope. So what's crazy is you may see a situation where one of those teams just slips up the most in that – uh, region and they could be seated very low in that initial open bracket and they could really you know, create some damage and then with Boulder Creek look they didn't um, Boulder Creek and Liberty by the end of uh, the McClintock tournament last week were both pretty injured Liberty didn't have uh, Ring of Gluk who's their big man who's very key to what they do on both sides on ball Boulder Creek by the end of it didn't have Rowan McKenzie who He's their point guard. He's their catalyst. He likes to get things going. And you mentioned them li- living and dying by the three. That's somewhat true still. They still are perimeter-centric offense, but they are able to attack the paint a little better this year. The big reason because of that is Basenia Andrew. He's a 6'8", but he's 6'8", but they play him like a guard, which I think makes Boulder Creek so dangerous is that you have, you know, whether it's Espen Polanski, Rowan, Basenia, you know, they have three guys who are three ball handlers who you can run the offense through them, and that's what makes them so dangerous. I know Richard Overt was out at Boulder Creek Basha last night, and Basha, who is playing like one of the top three teams in the state right now, they they went to overtime with them and almost beat them before Basha went on a run in OT. This Boulder Creek team, I think uh, I think when I look at how their schedule shaping out, I already know I'll be at that Liberty game because I really think when both teams are healthy, it'll be an even better game than the one they gave at McClintock. And I definitely think they when they play Brophy later this week, it'll be very interesting to see. You, you, you kind of alluded to my next question, which is going to be Basha. Yes. Mason McGee is fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, It's a good basketball name, too. It is a very good basketball name. Um, (laughs) That that entire Basha team is just so, so good. Um, I saw them at uh, Holiday Shootout. They went to overtime with Desert Mountain, who obviously is very good with the House Twins, um, along with other people as well, um, including Mr. Tony Cumberland, the big defensive tackle for Desert Mountain, who's only a freshman. He plays basketball, too. Um, But that Basha team, man, you know, it's funny because I know I said Perry's the favorite. I still believe Perry is the favorite. But that premier region with Basha, and Perry and Brophy is going to be so much fun to watch. Absolutely. When they, when they get into that region play. Um, I think Basha and Perry play on the 16th or something like that. So I will be there for sure. Along with probably a lot of other people. Yeah, they play on the 16th at Basha. Okay. 
What are your thoughts on this Basha team? Well, I mean, I was talking to you about this at the Guaranteed mm-hmm. Rate Bowl last week. I'm actually making the effort to drive out to the all to the Southeast Valley because I want to see this Basha team so bad. Ralph, if you're know, still watching, Jacob needs to expense a hotel room for the night. Oh, man, that, that's a flight and a half at that point. I won't book Southwest for that one, but it's, but when you look at this Basha team, you brought up Mason McGee and yep. Elijah I, Summers, Livingston, another freshman who who made the uh, the basically the putback dunk to beat Desert Mountain in the yep. game that I saw, and I had the video on that. And it was, I mean, it's him. It's you know, um, Tyler Lawley has been fantastic for them. Obviously, um, Torin Bosch has been a good Torin Bosch. Christian Warren is who I was thinking of as well. He's been really good too. He he actually kind of took over the game against Desert Mountain for a little bit there, and Highland for that matter. Yeah, like when I look at this Basha team, this Basha team is loaded. They're definitely, in my opinion, in that conversation. I think uh, when um, Greg updated like his rankings, who he thinks the top eight teams are, I believe he had Basha second now. He has them up okay. to number two. And if I'm being honest, I, I think I would have to agree with them. I mean, they have pretty much outside of that matchup against Mesquite and that matchup against Desert Mountain, at a holiday shootout in Boulder Creek last night, they have been just dominating their their opponents, and they're playing some tough teams. They've played against the Highland. They've who's you know not necessarily came out left field, but you know I think a lot of people didn't have as high of expectations as Highland is performing so far. Oh, you know we'll talk about Highland in a second. Yeah, like, you know we have to ask about Highland. Of course, of course. <laughs> no, but you know they're 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 a dangerous team offensively. Yeah. They they have what makes I, w- I was texting you about this earlier. What makes what separates the top of the top teams in the state right now from I think the bottom of well not the bottom but sort of that middle tier is that every team who's legit has a guy who can kill you on the offensive side in so many different ways. What makes those teams dangerous like Abash is that they have multiple guys who you have to contain because if you focus on one, if you want to focus on Mason, well, the rest of the offense flows so well beside him that they are able to do what they want to do beside of it. I mean, Desert Mountain, like you mentioned, you saw that game. Those are two heavyweight teams, and Basha was still able to pull away. I think what makes Basha dangerous as they get into region play is They've sort of had that punch you in the mouth, have to grind it out type of win against um, Desert Mountain. They had that overtime scare last night against Boulder Creek. They know what it takes to beat great teams. And when you have somewhat of a young team with guys like Elijah and Mason as your go-to guys, that is very important as you get into a region that has two of the best players in the state in it, the best defensive team in the state in it, and – no, a Hamilton team that's starting to turn that corner, who's starting to get better. So I definitely think this Basha team right now is the second best team in the state, which, no, it, it could be a special year at Basha in terms of open division championships if they play the game they are supposed to play. Basha is 18-0. and 0. Yep. The last time the Bears started off this good, was when they lost one game all season and won the state championship in 2016-17. That's this team, and and guess who was the one team to beat them that year? Maricopa. Perry. (laughs) Perry. They they slipped up against Perry that year. Trivium Prep. Trivium. It was actually actually Sabola. They're doing well. Eric's Eric's favorite is Cibola. I do love Cibola. Eric loves I've got Cibola. love for the Yuma teams. Hey, one of the best girls teams in the state, Cibola. There you go. Yep. You knew it was coming, mostly because I said it was coming. Yep. Highland. Where did Highland come from? Because Noah Peterson is special. That Highland team, oh, while we were waiting for the bowl game to start last week, we were sort of keeping an eye on that Highland-Liberty mm-hmm. game. And Highland knocked off Liberty, which I didn't know at the time Liberty wasn't at 100%. I'm not trying to discredit that win. 
even though Liberty didn't have their full roster for that game, that is still a tough team to beat because they still had Caden and Kai in that matchup. Yep. So they were still able to contain their two best players and was able to do what they do best. Now, when you look at this Highlands schedule so far, they beat Sunny Slope first game of the season, which I was at Kellis that night. And I was talking to Ron Stinson, the Kellis head coach, and we sort of brought that score up. And he had played Highland just a few days before in a preseason tournament. He's like, he told me then and there, he's like, that Highland team is going to shock people. And sure enough, they have just come out and just played Highland basketball, which to me, I mean, you may disagree with this, Zach. To me, Highland basketball is defensively, they are going to be sound. They're going to try and feed it in the post. They're going to try and do what they do best and just get inside. They can shoot the three, but they like to just drive downhill and try to attack the basket. It mirrors the football team. They are technically sound on defense and offense. They can punch you in the mouth. And by punching the mouth in basketball terms, it's they will run right at you and draw the foul in the paint or you're giving up a layup. Yep. And it might be contested. It might be easy. But either way, that ball, 90% of the time, is finding the bottom of the net. And and that's what, you know, Valley Vista and Liberty tried to do in the holiday shootout, but it got them in the foul trouble trying to stop yep. it. And, I mean, no – Sorry, sorry to Coach Price, but we got to talk about that Mountain Point game. They blew out Mountain Point by almost 40 because they were able to do those type of things. They gave yep. Basha a, a tough Mountain game. Point, I think Mountain Point became too afraid of getting into foul trouble. That's why. But the thing is with Highland, too, it's it's Noah Peterson. It's mm-hmm. Brock Miller. Um, They have a freshman, Michael Johnson, who literally was pulling up from like, like – five feet beyond NBA range and draining on like it was nothing like this Highland team like you said they can shoot the three when they need to and they showed it against Basha they almost came back against Basha in the championship game for the holiday shootout because they started to hit some threes but their bread and butter is getting into that paint and being more physical than than the other team it, no, no. Sort of... Peterson looks like a linebacker. He looks like a linebacker, and he missed all last year with Valley Fever. He hasn't even played basketball in two years. So. You know, you know what this Highland team reminds me of. It reminds me of in college basketball, Virginia team, Virginia team yep. with Tony yep. Bennett. That's the sort of play style that I see yes. when I watch this Highland team. Very play. physical. I think, yeah, yeah, like and. Like Highland is a team where another team where I'm really considering going out of my way to go watch them play. You should go see them. They're fun. How dangerous I think they are. They are another one of those teams where if they if they play, you know, one of these tougher teams because you know when you look at their region and how it starts to shape out with how the rankings are going to go, the rankings don't always reflect who the true top teams are. Because no. of how the how your winning is and your schedule and this and that, Highland can play themselves into a higher seed, potentially in that open division bracket, and match up against a four A or five A team who may not be as disciplined and could potentially move on to potentially that final sixteen and maybe finish as a top seed in six A or even backdoor their way into the open because of how dangerous that they are. Now, am I going to go out and say, yes, they're a top eight team right now. They're going to finish in the open. Not at all. But they have that potential because of what their play style and how it really cramps what a lot of teams want to do. Now, Campo Verde, they would disagree with me because Campo Verde beat them. And Campo Verde is a 5A team that I think people need to pay attention to. And then you commit. Isaiah Kai. Yeah. Bucket getter, very special player. Very special okay, player. I want to, I want to move on to something with you here, Jacob. Well, wait, is it is it basketball related? Because I want to ask yes. you one more thing. Okay, yes. Cool. Okay, we'll come back to, to me. We're good. We've been talking all about the boys' side. Who is the best team in the state in girls' basketball? 
because There's some good ones because for years it would have been Valley Vista, and I don't think you would have gotten any arguments from anybody. Yep. Seton Catholic was up there. The South Point team's really good. Millennium. Millennium has won the last four five A titles, and Hamilton is always good. Game. Hamilton has been in a lot of the championship games and won one a few years ago. Perry. Perry's incredible. Um, there's a lot of great teams. I know who the best team is, though. I'll let Jacob say it, unless you want me to say it. Do I was it. on so they're was... right down the street from me in Awatuki. Desert okay. Vista is the best girls basketball team in the state right now and will be. I, I'm picking Desert Vista when they open. You are? That team is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. D- Talent-wise, there's not another roster in the state that can match the level of talent nope. that Desert Vista has. And you know, I hope this doesn't sound disrespectful when I say this. It is like an AAU team with the level of talent that they yes. have on that roster, you know, with Shea and Jersey. And I'm gonna, and I'm even gonna talent. say this. I'm even gonna say this. If True Washington and Mark Brown are still at Mountain Point, Awatuki runs the open division in six A. You think that Mountain Point team would be better? Um, I guess, I guess technically Mountain Point was five A, but they run the open division. I think the girls for Desert Vista win the open. I think the boys from Mountain Point win the Open. If – I, I do. I know you're going to say I do. a homer. Okay. No, I really – that Mountain – look, with especially the level that True was playing at, and obviously they'd have to have the patents still. If they had still if they had the patents. So yeah. they had oh, yeah. basically they, they an had, entire if, different starting well, lineup. Than they, if well, they had I'm, the roster that they had at yeah, Section in, 7. at Section 7. Mountain Point would be a top 10 team in the country. If Jalen Graham uh, came back to high school, they'd be really good. If they had the, the roster that they had at Section 7, it's not like we're talking about, like, a what-if scenario. This was their roster at Section 7. Yeah. So if they had that roster at Section 7, absolutely. I picked them to win the Open all day long. Yeah. Now, I still think Mountain Point can sneak into the Open with the roster they have. They're just young. They're just really, really young. Yeah. Currently, I don't think Lance Stevenson is on a, a NBA team, is he? <laughs> we're talking about kids still Does in high school. Does he have any high school eligibility left? I'm going to remove him again. Can you go reset your internet? I'm trying. You're not, you're not hearing me correctly. Yeah. Anyway, Jacob. Hall of Fame. Yeah, that, that, that Desert Vista team, talent-wise, is the best team in the state. Yeah. I I do think, though, like, the girls, the girls group is more bunched up than I think the guys is in terms of competitiveness. Because when you look at, you know, some of the better girls teams in the state, you have Hamilton, you have Perry. You have Xavier Prep, who isn't even at 100% this year, but is yeah. still one of the best teams in the state. They're I good every that, single year. I are. think that O'Connor team, who Richard, he wrote about uh, That's right. just yesterday, I think they're the best West Side team, which that if you would have told somebody just last season, oh, yeah, O'Connor would be better than the Millenniums of the world, the Valley Vistas of the world. It'd be shocking. But that just, you know, all the talent that they've gotten in, um, from prep schools and from transfers and what Coach Charles Wilson has been able to do. Um, Pinnacle. Pinnacle is always in the mix. They're dangerous. No, but I definitely do think for all the talent that 6A has in girls basketball, I really think that those lower conferences, those 5As, those 4As, are where you're getting some of the sleeper teams that I think people are mentioning. I don't hear anybody bench mentioning Fairfax, who I think is arguably the best 5A girls team. Arguably. Now, you can make a case for a Millennium or a Sunrise Mountain or a McClintock. But that Fairfax team is young, same roster as last year, when they lost, I think, only two or three PowerPoint games, and they've been rolling. Um, Seton Catholic, no, that that's that's a given with them. Like, you know what you're going to get with them. They're always legit. No, Flowing Wells, they're doing their thing down in Tucson now at the 4A level instead of 5A. No, Cibola, although they're 6A, you know, they're, they're dangerous, one of the better girls teams in the state. Canyon, you, there's Mesquite, there's just so much talent at the girls level this year. And, you know, I mentioned this before the season started. I'm more excited for the girls' open division bracket than I am for the boys' open division bracket. 
because I think the girls game has needed it for a lot longer than the boys game has. And I think it'll create so much parity throughout the conferences. And it's just going to make great basketball. What separates those great teams from the rest is that, in my opinion, girls basketball, it's more fundamentally sound. It's more get to the basics. It's more technical than boys basketball is where it's more flashy. That's why I enjoy girls more. The talent's more spread out on the girls' side. Do you think Airbud has any high school eligibility left? Maybe if he played for Mountain, they would definitely win in the end if he was yeah. on Mountain Point. Did they ever actually change the rules? Because that was the whole premise of that movie was it doesn't say it has to be a human. Did they ever change the rule book after him? Like you would think whatever league that was in would be like, oh, now that a dog has played, we should probably add this um, into our into our rule book but they probably didn't because these people are really stupid anyway so um kamar price if you want a new recruit airbud um i know zach loves golden retrievers maybe he'll get one for you and name him airbud and teach him how to play basketball nope you I already know that you already know the name that my dog is gonna be bud no it's either harper or tucker bud nope. with with how old uh the airbud movie was i'm sure david stern uh, when he was in that, yeah, in the dra- yeah right. when he was making the dress code, he was like, Oh, yeah, no dogs in the league, yeah, uh, just in case. Just all right, Jacob, case. on the boys' side, yes, who's going to be the top eight teams in the open division tomorrow? So, I will preface it with this um, with how the AIA does their rankings, it doesn't, like I said earlier, it doesn't really truly show the top eight teams. I think a combination of their games that they've played and what they've done so far, I would probably expect Basha to be at the top because I think they are tied for the most or have played the most PowerPoint games at this point. So I think that they would be at the top. Um, Let's do this. Give me your rankings then. Okay. Yeah. Who it should be. You're right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't try to guess the AIA's formula. Like that, we we tried that with football, it didn't work out. Um, Gridiron Arizona, he just asked me, any chance you named the dog Newman? Absolutely not. <laughs> Never happening. No. Never again? Never? No. Never. I got a dog named Newman right there. I had a Does dog named Zach dog? He doesn't got that Ryan. dog in him, though. He doesn't got that dog in him. <laughs> he just said he had a dog named Zach Alfie. Yeah, it was really weird. My parents are – I was like, hey, can we name our dog Fido or Rover or something? And my dad's like, no, it should be Zach Alvira. I think that's what our dog should be. No, what what was the actual name of your uh, your St. Bernard? Uh, my boxer. Um, I thought you had a St. Bernard. I Oh, I had a uh, – um, I had an English bull mastiff That's that what it was, was nearly 200 pounds. What was the um, name again? Its name was Tiberius. There it is. Yeah. Big Fitting. freaking dog. Fitting. Uh, Cody, scared of everything. Scared of Cody, every single thing in the world. Cody asked, why does Eric look so bored? I'm not bored. I and love then this. He, and then he asked, can anybody beat Bridger Hershey's flagstaff team? Bridger Hershey is the JV coach for the Flagstaff boys basketball team. Um, and I don't know because I don't know the JV team's record. Uh, Cody also said, glad True is playing football next fall, although True Washington will be in college next fall. Don't listen to what that guy says. He's asked three. Yeah, all three of those comments you just showed were stupid. It's just so fitting for Cody, isn't it? Um, I had okay. a dog named Zach Elvira. It was really weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Jacob, go ahead with your rankings. Um, right now, the season ended today. I think the top eight teams would be. Um, I have it actually written down right here. I would have Perry at one. I think. Okay. I think that's unanimous amongst almost everybody. Eric would probably have a uh, Coconino's freshman B team as number. That's one right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, 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 I know. Um, yeah, Perry at one, Bash at two. Okay. I still, I, I have Liberty top three at number three. I think Ironwood is four. 
five, I would probably have Boulder Creek. Six, I would have Desert. Actually, no, five Desert Mountain because they beat Boulder Creek. Six, uh, Boulder Creek. Then seven, I would have Centennial. Then okay. eight. Got to go with Notre Dame Prep. And then I think like just outside of that is where you would have a Millennium, your Peorias, um, St. Mary's because they would probably be a higher seed because of the 4A conference. Then Brophy, Pinnacle, then the rest, I would really say. Uh, Chris Eaton, Gridiron, Arizona said, shout out to North Canyon, actually upset Desert Mountain last night. Yes, they did, 59-55. I'll say this, the basketball season, that's part of the reason why I think it's wide open. I mean – Although we all agree that Perry is the favorite, like I said, it only takes a night where you are able to contain the House Twins or try and slow down Cody and Koa or contain Mason McGee or Caden Hunter or this and that. And if those shots fall, you can win. And that's a huge win for North Canyon. They've been on the up and up. uh, Last year they really made a turn. This year they're – doing what they're doing now, that's a huge win for them. But I'm just excited to see how these rankings turn out tomorrow because something tells me there's going to be a team or two that I think a lot of people are going to be like, how the heck are they in the open? No, that potentially could be, you know, because how the rankings work out, an ALA Gilbert North team could potentially be in that open division ranking. Um, Bradshaw Mountain, because they're 8-0 and they have some power points. No, am I saying those teams are the? <laughs> am I saying those? No, are the top we're just laughing at this stupid freaking comment. <laughs> Cody, Yetis doesn't have an apostrophe. They act, the thing is, Cody's right. They they do. No, grammatically, it's incorrect. Yeti is also plural and singular. But they sometimes call themselves the Yetis, which is dumb for a science school. Um, but well, it's a scientific <laughs> phenomenon. It's yeah. A um, so Cody's not completely wrong there. They've just kind of decided at basis that they don't care about grammatically uh, incor- or grammatically correct things. So sometimes they are the Yeti, and sometimes people say "Go Yetis," and that's not how it works. But thank you, Cody. Nobody beating that squad. <laughs> name one player on the team, Cody. Yeah, Cody. Name one player on the team. They don't even have their roster online. Yeah, Cody. If he if he gets one name right, I'm out of here. If he yeah. gets one name, I'm out of here. Well, but top SF in this oh top shooting for small to forward. To be state. completely fair, basis is going to be you know maybe a play in team in the one A boys bracket. They might be decent. 12 6 800 pounds sasquatch williams okay how do i yeah, kick, how, how do how do i kick viewers out of here i need we to figure need that to out ignore what he's okay saying. we're we're ignoring anyways, everything anyways. Cody. yeah uh girls top eight girls top eight right now i would definitely have a uh, desert vista perry hamilton those are the top three i would have o'connor at four okay um xavier at five Seton at six, McClintock at seven, then honestly, Fairfax at eight. Then just outside of that, I would have Pinnacle and Pinnacle, Mountain Ridge, who I didn't mention, who has that Georgia commit in my adverse. That's who I was going to ask about was Mountain Ridge because they're a solid team. I think, I think I I was there for that Mountain Ridge O'Connor game, and O'Connor absolutely boat raced them, just absolutely yeah. took it personal. I think what makes Mountain Ridge dangerous is obviously they have Maya Verse, who talent wise, they're she's on the same level talent wise as a Camille Pierre. She's one of the best girls players in the state for this senior class. Those two will be dueling at it in the SEC next season, but. I think what sort of holds Mountain Ridge back from being in that top eight for me is that 
when you stop Maya, when you slow her down, the offense just becomes so stagnant. It really does. The, the flow is just isn't there anymore. I mean, Alyssa Fralino is one of the better girls players in the state as well. But, no, at least from what I've seen, once you just put that pressure on Maya, the rest of the offense can't flow as much. There isn't as much movement. So, for, in my opinion, I would rather see that team compete in the 6A bracket than in the open division bracket because I think they would fare better in the 6A bracket. If they are in that 6A bracket, no, Maya, Alyssa, they could carry Mountain Ridge to a 6A title, which is a huge deal for that school. That, that would be the, only the second state title for any sport at that school, which is a huge deal. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think that they are better fit for that. I mean, I, I would also say another team that to keep an eye on is that, that 5A region with Sunrise Mountain. Obviously, I think they're right there in that open division mix. They're one of the better 5A teams. But another team that I think people should pay attention to is that Kellis girls team is dangerous. They gave Mountain Ridge, when I saw them earlier in the season, fits and almost beat them at Mountain Ridge's own holiday tournament. Um, they have some, they have a, a duo, young duo. They have Chanel, uh, uh, Mallory, and Hannah Williams, who those two are just, they have changed the game so much. Chanel Mallory is one of the better scorers in the state. She can score on all three levels. She can really dictate the offense. Hannah Williams is one of the better uh, bigs in the state. That Kellis team is dangerous. I would definitely tell people to pay attention to them. 5A girls basketball is, I think that's going to be a party the rest of the season that people should pay attention to. What do you think about the job uh, Danny Solomon has done at, uh, at Millennium so far? You know, it's, they lost it's a, a lot of talent from that team in the last couple of years. Absolutely. I think what's unique about that Millennium team, and I think that they play Canyon View tonight, which I'm keep, I'll be keeping my eye out for that score because I really do think that that game is a big telling sign for both teams in the direction that they're heading. Millennium, they, they challenged themselves. They played the modern days. They beat South Point Catholic at who Paul West. Um... I saw those. I saw that matchup. There are two losses this year with Xavier in the modern day. Um, Richard Willis says he saw them when they played against Valley Vista, and they just beat the brakes off of Valley Vista, which, you know, historically speaking, these last few years when they've matched up in the regular season, it's been neck and neck coming down yeah. to the final possession or two. This, you know, Coach Solomon, what he's been able to do, uh, sort of just coming in and implementing the same system that he was running at O'Connor, it's a huge accomplishment. And that's just a credit to, you know, some of the players that they still have. Like Ellie Guinea, she's a junior. She's been – She's fantastic. She's she's absolutely amazing to watch. She was doing her thing as a freshman, was last year as a sophomore, and is doing it again this year as a junior. You know, player sorters like Grace McBride, Mia Emmonson, and, you know, some of these other players, they really – I've done a great job. They still have the talent. I think that they are definitely in that open division conversation. But I think tonight will be very telling. If they are able to pull it out against Canyon – oh, they, my bad. They play Canyon View later in the season. I got them mixed up because the boys play Canyon View tonight. But those two games late in the season, they have a tough stretch. They play Canyon View twice in Hamilton in three of their final five games. If they are able to get past that stretch, you know – Form one, three, and two. I'll feel very confident about this team heading into the open division. But this, they will be in the top 32 for the open, which I don't know how you two feel about this, but I think it'll be very interesting to see how the AIA's rankings look with the open or how they're going to get better. It's going to be really tough because yeah. everybody's going to have really similar records. Like in yeah. football, yeah. in football, it was what's the regular season's 10 games. So you can lose two or three at the absolute most and make it. Yeah. This is going to be, you know, a team with five losses versus a team with eight, yep. but a higher quality schedule. And yep. because of the amount of games that they're playing, 
it's going to be so like no one's going to have any idea until the final rankings come out what what it's going to look like i don't even know how i'm going to be able to tweet these out you can't fit 32 teams that's in the one true. tweet and it, that's why i'm glad know. i'm on vacation this week <laughs> yeah and then what's going to be unique about it is too is that i think what's interesting is that with 6a 5a and 4a for both girls and boys it's automatically the top eight get pulled up and then the final eight teams for that bracket are sort of teams they pull with the higher PowerPoints from 5A, 4A, and 6A. So what I'm interested in seeing is how the rankings at least initially shape out tomorrow because that will give me a good idea on how they're going to pull the teams, you know, when we get to February and we have to, you know, figure out who is going to what bracket because I think if you would ask Greg this, he would tell you, no, realistically speaking, 6A and 5A should be the two conferences that pull the most into the open division bracket. He could, he, we had talked about this earlier in the year. I think he would say he would pull slightly more from 5A. I would as well. But, no, I want to see if they're like, oh, well, we'll pull just, you know, this 4A team because they have one or two losses compared to this 6A team who is like this. And another thing to keep an eye on is I'm very interested to see how they rate the Southern Arizona teams because Southern Arizona is, you know, sometimes they feel slept on and rightfully so because, you know, when you have teams like Flowing Wells who can been in the 5A title game these past few years, you know, Pueblo, who's very dangerous, Sahuaro, who's very dangerous, South Point Catholic, who they really haven't played that many PowerPoint games so far, and are three and two, how are they going to get ranked for the girls' side, for example? So it'll be very interesting to see. Right on. Jacob, we appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, we'll have you back on, obviously, along with uh, – got to bring Greg on. Maybe we'll do like – I know Greg wanted to do this idea earlier, but it was just in the middle of football season, so we didn't. But it was like a – almost like a fantasy draft type of thing. So maybe maybe we'll still do that just for fun. Jacob, like do you have a dog? Now. I do, yes. Is its name Zach Elvira by chance? <laughs> okay. Um, Jacob, appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll definitely talk soon. And, and tune into Jacob. Jacob uh, what is it? Jacob underscore Saliga. Is that what your Twitter is? Yeah. Touch your collarbone quick, Zach. Go like this. Woof. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob will be all over the uh, Jacob will be all over the rankings tomorrow when they come out Thursday morning. That is January fifth. Um, make sure to follow. Zach barked at us, everybody. At, that's at, audio. At Jacob underscore Saliga. Make sure to give him a follow. Does a great job covering basketball. Does a great job with everything. Wrote a great game story for me on the guaranteed rate bowl that I didn't want to stay for. So um, yeah, make sure to give him a follow. Jacob, thank you again, and sorry that you had to deal with Eric. Best bark since DMX by a human. Stop. Stop. <laughs> you cannot. Do you think people were like, when he was recording that song in the studio, do you think people were like, do you think they knew he was going to bark into the microphone? I've actually wondered this before. Like, when he starts just barking, do you think his friends or whoever was in the studio or producer were just laughing at him? Like, bro, why are you barking? You're not a dog. Why do you think like this, Eric? I don't know. You're good? Can we? Can we... Am I good? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, Jacob. I think that's pretty obvious right yeah. now. <laughs> Jacob, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jacob. <laughs> oh, Eric. Why do you do this? To like, me, imagine man? that you're sitting in the recording studio and you're like, okay, he's got this great song idea. He knows it's going to be a hit. Um, he's building it all up. And all of a sudden, you just hear this grown man start barking into a microphone. Can you imagine that? <sighs> Thank you again to Jacob for joining us. Um, and um he's still he's in the lobby doing something um once again i just want to 
obviously shout out Eric, not for his DMX rant, but for his uh, column he wrote for ArizonaVarsity.com. Obviously, like I said, very, very good. So please go read it. It's about um, DeMar Hamlin. And, you know, I know it's been said several times, but for, for myself and Eric, we're definitely praying that it's a good outcome for him. Um, also, someone that I want to give a big shout out to, Jake Romaine out of desert vista letty is his nickname going through a battle with leukemia right now on january 2nd his dad posted a video of him at the batting cages so he was feeling good enough to go and take some swings which is awesome to see so uh keep jake in your prayers keep obviously demar hamlin in your prayers um and as usual make sure to follow us all on twitter at zach of at human rights at azhsfb and at arizona varsity Eric, unless you want to continue on with your DMX rant, I think that calls it a night for us. Yep. It's a show. It's a good show. So, uh, again, thank you to Jacob. Um, and I can't say it enough. Keep DeMar Hamlin in your prayers. Obviously, that was scary on Monday. And then uh, Jake Romain, live like Letty. Good. Uh, I'm, I'm thank you to Coach Pat Herrera over at Desert Vista for giving me this shirt. And I will wear this with pride and honor and honor of Jake and hope that he uh, – he makes it through. Seems like he's doing really well, which is a really good thing. And I had a story come out about him on uh, Christmas. So that's on Awatuki.com if you want to read that. But in the meantime, we're out of here. We will talk to you all next week. Ruff.